Good morning, good evening, and good night, my terrible listeners. You're tuned in to Terrible Sex with Nassim. I'm producer Dan, and each week I have the honor of bringing you registered nurse, aspiring sex educator, polyamory enthusiast, and true woman of the people, Nassim. She tells us stories, answers our questions, and helps us feel more comfortable around our world's infinite variety of sexuality. Send your questions, comments, and especially your voice memos to Nassim. This show's best when you get involved. Her contact info is on our website at terriblesexwithnassim.com. Hey, Nassim. Hey, Dan. How's it going? It's good. I'm a little groggy, but I'm oh, feeling no. good. It's not a bad thing. I worked the last three nights at the hospital. Ah, uh, work. Stupid work, and it was very busy and i like slept all day and so i'm sort of like kind of recovering but it's a good thing and i'm glad to be here i'm excited today how are you doing man i'm excited if you're excited i'm feeling pretty good i've had a long couple of days too but man i'm happy to be here and i'm happy to be with you excellent excellent i also have a friend visiting this weekend she's here to, she got into chicago tonight um and after we record i'm going to make myself look semi-presentable and go <laughs> hang out with her for a awesome bit, why so. isn't she a guest on our show uh she somehow didn't even know i had a podcast until today what the fuck? i swear to god i told her and jar told her and then she's like what's your show I'm like what do you mean what's my show <laughs> you mean we haven't been like blasting it all over the walls but anyway man i don't so. even want her on the show now <laughs> she'd be a good one too she's got some stories anyway anyway where's she from uh she's from back home from michigan pure michigan she's also a nurse uh, worked the thick of COVID uh, in the COVID ICU back home. So she definitely has some some stories for sure. Yeah, y'all been through the shit together. Yeah. Like like a couple of NOM vets. <laughs> kind of. I mean, I didn't go to NOM, but I imagine it feels somewhat similar. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Hey, Dan, I have a question for you. Oh, man, I got answers. <laughs> Good. I want to start this episode off by asking you, what do you think of when you hear the words BDSM? Like, what comes to your mind? What images do you see? The images that come to mind are all leather and whips and tall heels, some partner in a compromised position, probably handcuffed and on their knees and maybe on their elbows. That's what comes to my mind. All right. And I think that is probably a similar image that most people have. When we talk about BDSM. Um, But what's really interesting is that our idea of BDSM and kink comes from a very interesting place. Like our modern ideas of that and the images that we see. What if I told you (laughs) that how we think, or many of the aspects of BDSM that we think of today, come from, of all places, science fiction. That would surprise me. <laughs> I, would, I would call bullshit, and I would have to look it up on the internet. Well, you can, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I know 
about the Gore Chronicles. Yeah, lay it on us. <laughs> so, now I'm not going to get real deep into plot line or anything like that. Nobody's here for a plot line. No one's here for a plot line. We came for the whips. A little bit of some backstory and then kind of bringing it into the modern day. All right? Mm-hmm. Now, sadomasochism is nothing new. Like, it's been going on for centuries, right? But in 1966, this guy by the name of John Lang, writing under the pseudonym of John Norman, he was a philosophy professor, this guy, which is very interesting. He wrote this science fiction story called The Tarnsman of Gore. That's G-O-R. The Tarnsman of Gore. Yes. And... It is a series of science fiction books, 36 books to be exact, in wow. this series. Yeah. And each of these stories. And the whole series is called The Tarnsman of Gore. No, the first book is called The Tarnsman okay, of Gore. Okay. What's the series called? Do we know? Uh, it's just the Gore series. So okay. each of the. So it takes place on this planet called Gore, G O R. And. It's basically a bunch of like space adventures, but what's interesting is the Gorian society that's described in these adventures. And in the society, you've got this ruling class of men, and they have basically a slave class of women. Okay. Some of these women are born into this submission. Some of them are captured and are forced into this slave class and it's a sexual slave class of course of course it is and these women are man i'm looking at some of the covers of these books and uh there's some top quality art (laughs) right it's like classic like mid-60s science fiction sword and planet kind of stuff um yeah it's real good uh, good <laughs> is one way of putting it. Uh, it's definitely got a vibe, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in these books, basically, you've got these men who are masters of these of subservient women called Kajira, which is the the slave girl essentially. And one of the ways that men control or show ownership of their Kajira is to collar them. So they'll put a collar on them, which, if you know anything about modern day DS dynamics, it's a very common practice for doms to, quote, collar their subs with some form of jewelry or like an actual like dog collar and things like that. Yeah, I've seen that on the Internet. Yeah. So I I know people who are collared and who have collared partners. So they are not from Gore. They're not from Gore. It's it's interesting because this is such a like ubiquitous part of the lifestyle and I don't think a lot of people realize like where it comes from unless they do some amount of research. Right. But I think that a lot of people just sort of like get into it without an understanding of the background. And the background is a little seedy, I'll be honest with you. So like these books they are kind of brutal towards women. Now in the books the women Either they initially like what's happening to them, or they learn to enjoy their submission over time. And that's actually part of Gorian philosophy and Gorian training, because this is now not something that is just in the science fiction realm. 
it has evolved into something that happens in real life. There are actual people who practice Gorian lifestyle, 24-7 even. So essentially, a lot of things that we see now what with punishments, with collaring, leashes, master-slave dynamics, dominant-submission dynamics, a lot of that comes from these books, or at least are a callback to the books. Right. And in Gorian society, in a lot of what we call like old guard BDSM, there's a lot of training involved. You train your submissive to submit to you in a way that is pleasing to you. And your submissive like wants to do this for you. This is something that's very important to point out. This is a consensual relationship. Nowadays, this is consensual. On Gore, maybe this wasn't consensual. Right. Some of the books do come from the perspective of a slave girl, mm-hmm. a, a Kajira, let's call her. So it gets like her perspective on like what's happening in the adventure. It's in the modern day, this is a consensual relationship. These Kajira, as they're in some circles, they still call them Kajira. The women do want to actively submit. Just like I, I am a submissive. I actively want to submit to my dominant. Maybe not in a 24-7 collaring, leashing lifestyle, but there is some aspect to that that I do relate to. Well, the 11th book in the series is called Slave Girl of Gore, and maybe this one's for you. Maybe this one's for me. I'll have to give it a read. There was some controversy around these books, as you can imagine. So this is going on during the 60s and 70s. It's civil rights movement. You've got second wave feminism. Um, There was a bit of controversy. And they actually, there was so much so that they went out of print in the 1980s. So they stopped, they stopped writing them. They stopped printing them in the 80s. But there was a resurgence of interest with, of course, the internet. Are you familiar with Second Life, Dan? Uh, Like the weird game? It's a game, yes. (laughs) I'm very mildly familiar with it. I didn't even know it was still around. So Second Life is a virtual reality game where you log on to a website, you have an avatar that you can dress up or adorn or make however you want, either like your real self or your fantasy self. And it's almost like the game The Sims where you like, you know, you build houses and have a monetary system, but it's you. So people have actually met other real breathing people but in second life it's your second life and it's a virtual reality and people get really involved yeah there's an episode of the office based around that okay in season four i do believe yeah so it's been around a long time it has been around a very long time i know someone who met her husband on second life are you kidding me i had no, no idea people were still on second life yeah um, I also know someone whose husband left her for someone that he met on Second Life. So, Whoa. Yeah. So Second Life is where to party people. <laughs> apparently. It's a really um it's a it's a real thing that people really engage in. And through Second Life, Gorian society kind of had a resurgence. Okay. So people really teenage boys. Of course. Of course. They start to develop these Gorian clubs and these Gorian 
fantasy networks and presumably women because you can have your avatar look like anything like you don't actually know who's on the other side of the screen right but presumably there's women who are acting as kajira and so they end up building a little virtual mini version of the planet gore on second life with the social caste system with the same kind of language and society infrastructures and like everything that's in the books is now real and somewhat tangible for people to experience and that's kind of how this lifestyle translated from these books from this fantasy fictional book to everyday living breathing people practicing Gorian bdsm unbelievable It's pretty wild. I think it's pretty cool. You know, say what you want about people like master and slave relationships. If it's a consenting idea, then I don't see the harm in it. If people are willingly doing this and willingly engaging in these behaviors, then I don't see an issue. Especially because I know for me as a sub, I would never consider myself like a slave girl or a Kajira, but like as a sub, I serve my Dom because it's not just about serving him. My submission is something I willingly give. There's a saying that submission is a gift. And it's because I know that my dominant is going to protect me. My dominant is going to look after me, have my best interests in mind. Right? That's why we submit, because we're being taken care of at the same time. In a healthy Dom sub environment. Right. You're getting what you want out of it. Exactly. It's total like tit for tat. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes like with the training, training how to be a quote good sub isn't just about being a good sub. It's also about self-discipline. Mm-hmm. And I think like for me that's really important. Like my dominant will tell me very matter-of-factly, very bluntly, like, when it's time to take my medication. And that's important for me. Like, he is teaching me how to take care of myself when I could not take care of myself in other ways, right? So there is a beneficial relationship there, not just for me serving him, but for him also serving me, even though he's my dominant. Uh, Aside from the training aspects of it, it's really interesting because when you said that there's, like, the image you had in your mind is of a person like on their knees that image comes directly from these gore novels well looking at the covers i had it nailed (laughs) exactly so within the structure and the protocols there are different positions for submissives like that classic image of a woman with a collar on her knees and her hands up with her palms up and her head down there's a, a name for that pose in Gorian society. I'm not going to say it because I'm probably going to get it wrong. And there's like a whole list of them. And there's protocol and ways you're supposed to behave around your, your master, ways you're supposed to interact with other dominants who aren't your dominants and other Kajira. It's just, it's this whole society that exists in this world, exists both in a very literal way in modern society, like within this subculture. But what fascinates me is how it's translated to like mainstream 
BDSM and mainstream sex. Yeah, that is fascinating. That's yeah. That's really yeah. That's really cool. That's totally interesting. And like, man, looking at these books, this is like right out of the same time as like Dungeons and Dragons. Exactly. It looks like everybody who was working on Dungeons and Dragons art came over and did like some some of the gore art. Yeah, it's it's very much in the same vein. Talking huge muscles, huge boobs, loincloths. Some of them got like dragons or big flying falcons or something. It's some pretty rad art. Yeah. Well, also Gorian society um, in the novels is loosely based on Greco-Roman society. Um, so, I can see that. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that in the books. Um, and John Norman actually wrote a another novel called, excuse me, it was a nonfiction piece called Imaginative Sex. And that book is kind of like a like a guide. It's like a guide for heterosexual couples to have different fantasy scenes in the bedroom. Now, John Norman was not someone who said, yes, the things that I wrote in my book, Sigorian society, the Gorian way of life is how things should be. He didn't believe that. He didn't believe that we should have 24-7 master-slave because he said that it was detrimental to someone's psyche. Mm -hmm. But even though he was the author of these books and he's said that, the fandom didn't really include that in how they <laughs> in how they went forward. Right. Um, they they interpreted it a little deeper. They did. So in true Gorian networks, it is 24 seven uh, master slave dynamic um, with all of the bells and whistles and high protocols that go with it. Man, if you're a gorehound living out there in your 24 seven life, we want to hear, send us a message, send us an email, send us a voicemail. If your master allows if your master allows it, if yes. he'll let you out of the house for a minute. I think it's a super interesting perspective. Um, I'd love to know more about, like, what do the submissives get out of it? And do they feel, if they, let's say they are doing it for, like, five years. And they have a master for, like, five years. And they're living in their house 24-7. And then they decide that they want a little bit more autonomy. And they want to leave the Gorian lifestyle. How easy or how possible is it to change your relationship dynamic with your partner um, if you've been living this way for so long? Like, I am, I am really curious to see or talk to somebody who's made that transition um, from such high protocol to a little bit more lenient way of doing things um yeah i'd love to hear it i think that would be a fascinating uh conversation that really i'd just be a fly on the wall for yeah i want to hear you go toe-to-toe with those folks yeah for sure um i I think that'd be really cool what's also interesting that i want to point out is even though that the society on gore is described as it's definitely a patriarchy right but it's also, there are examples from the books of what they call free women. And these are women who either broke out of slavery or 
somehow got out of it or like weren't involved and they themselves are now masters or mistresses Ooh. yeah and they can take on slave boys called kajiro so there's kajira that are the girls and then there's kajiro which are the, the slave boys and it's less talked about and it's like more of like a it's interesting it's a subculture within the subculture of course of course but what's cool about that i think is you know traditionally when we think of dominance and submissives we don't think about them in terms of female dominance right but it's becoming more and more talked about and more and more prevalent i follow a lot of female doms on tiktok yeah and it's very cool to see unfortunately there's still like the stigma that like women can't be doms or like there'll be guys who'll be like oh you just haven't been with the right dom or i could make you submit and like that's bullshit right of course of course and the thing is that there are men who willingly want to submit heck yeah yeah absolutely and i think that we're talking about it more and it's becoming more uh, socially acceptable at least within you know this niche circle there's more light being shined on it right and it's a conversation i think that more people need to have and you know don't be afraid if you're feeling like this way about your sexuality if you're feeling like you want to express yourself whether it's to be more dominant or to be more submissive like there's precedent for that and you're not weird I mean, there have been at least 36 books written about it, so (laughs) why not? I mean, and there are some cons to this lifestyle. I get it. Like, there's a lot of criticism about Gorian culture, how it could be, if in the wrong hands, it could be abusive um, and a channel for, like, sex trafficking and things like that, which, unfortunately, there are cases of that having happened. But on the whole... But that's with any sexual practice, any time. Absolutely. Um, and, but I think on the whole... And I'm not downplaying f- sexual trafficking. That's a totally different thing. We're talking about adults consenting with adults about the practices that they're involved with. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, but I think on the whole, it's a perfectly acceptable way to live one's life. Um, and don't worry totally. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Hell no. Yeah. So that's a brief history on Gorian society, the books of Gore, and kind of how it translates to the modern day and how we got here. I love that. I think we're going to have some links to uh, uh, a little more information on the website. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I got most of my information from, honestly, FetLife. There's a lot of people who practice that I have talked to on FetLife. So just anecdotal information, but also uh-huh. like Wikipedia, you know, say what you want about Wikipedia, but I think it's actually a really great source of information. Oh yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. And then also um, uh, Imaginative Sex by John Norman as well. So I'll put links up to all of the different places you can find info. Um, if it's something you're interested in or something you want to look more into. And I, I have left out a lot of information about Gorian society. I just wanted to get to the real nuts and bolts of it. Man, there's 25 novels on this thing. There's, there's plenty of research for you folks to do. Yeah, I mean, 
it, it is kind of like one of those because it is science fiction. It's like science fiction space fantasy, but it does have like its own rich culture. It has its own language, its own alphabet, um, its entire way of of being. It's like it's really like going somewhere and experiencing another people's culture. It's fascinating to me. Like if you like Lord of the Rings, like they have, you know, elvish and stuff like that. It kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, this is this is less sci-fi and more like high fantasy on a different planet. Exactly. Exactly. I think they call that genre Swords and Planets. That's a good name for a band. It's a Sword and Planet novel, which is like a subculture within a subgenre within science fiction. I'm into it. Yeah. Totally interesting. And I've already added book one to my uh, Kindle playlist. Gonna use one of my Audible credits on that. Audible sponsor us. <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah. So uh get us some of that big book money. <laughs> right. But that's the book of gore. That's uh those are the chronicles. It's a little bit about the series. Um fascinating. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, science fiction started it all. Well, started some of it. It's awesome. I love it. So you got some questions for me today, Dan? Oh, man. Do I have questions? Well, do you have any questions about what I just talked about, first of all? Uh, no. I was just nodding my head and perusing the internet. Okay. <laughs> glad, you're, gl- glad you're paying attention. Well, that was great, Nassim. I learned a lot. That's not true. I, I, I listened and enjoyed, and I was looking at pictures on the internet of Gorian characters. Cool. So hit me with some questions. All right. Hey, Nassim. I just started having sex, losing my virginity recently, and I just started experiencing problems having erections. I've never had such problems before, and during things like head and hand jobs, I have no problems, but it seems as soon as the condom is put on, I can no longer maintain an erection. Is this something to worry about? It's not something to worry about. It is something to get used to. Because the sensation you have when you're by yourself or when you're doing a blowjob or hand hand job or masturbating because there isn't that layer there's not that barrier there it's a different kind of feeling than when you have a condom on also make sure the condom's the right size and that it fits you because you can lose sensation if it's too tight and just understand that there's going to be some very slight differences in how things may feel and the act of putting a condom on may be distracting right now but do not use this as an excuse to not wear a condom because you think that you can't get it up with without a condom because that is just inexperienced talking there's nothing wrong with you you're just inexperienced and not not used to this practice yet dan you can take it from here yeah man it it might just be your head don't put so much pressure on your dick And if you want to get used to that sensation, jerk off with a condom on. Start practicing. Great advice. Great advice. And when you get in there and you're ready to have sex and you put that condom on, I mean, that is a momentous occasion, especially when it's one that you don't do very often because you're just starting out. So don't put so much pressure on, you know, maybe talk to your partner about how sometimes this is a problem and you need to work through it. And maybe you put it on to start with and then you start with the hand jobs. 
don't put all the pressure on your dick condom on in vagina and then yeah take the pressure off the dick do some practice have your partner put the condom on you have your partner put the condom on have fun and don't worry too much about getting a penis in a vagina make sure everybody comes yes just make sure she comes make sure you come and make sure she's happy your dick's gonna be just fine mm-hmm. hey Nassim, squirt is it just peeing uh no actually that's a common misconception that it's fully urine now there is some urine in the fluid that comes out when one squirts um because the bladder is stimulated and engorged uh as i often like to say engorged is one of my favorite words on this podcast so there is involvement of the bladder when squirting occurs so there is some fluid that comes from the bladder but it's not the same thing as peeing even though there may be some urine in the fluid but again because we don't know a lot about female ejaculate or female orgasms the jury's still out on what everything truly is bodies are weird and wonderful things and the kids love to squirt they all got questions about it Hey, Nassim, my boyfriend, who's discovering a lot about himself since dating me, he's asexual but very sex positive. He found out he really likes my thighs today and asked if I could squeeze his body with them. He also asked about squeezing his face. I've done a lot of research on sex because I find it interesting, but a thigh kink has escaped my expertise and I want to please my partner. What should I do? It sounds like he wants you to squeeze himself between your thighs, so... Squeeze them between your thighs. <laughs> like I don't know <laughs> what else to tell you. Like, do you want like like technique? I don't know. Um he wants I mean <laughs> my initial reaction is to like say sit on his face, but I don't know, open your legs, like sit down in a chair, have him like kneel in front of you, put his face in between your legs and just like squeeze like you're on one of those adductor machines or something. <laughs> Yeah, ask him what he wants and go for it. Man, and don't be scared. Kudos to you for being willing. Like, it's kind of weird. Hey, my boyfriend wants me to squeeze his face with my thighs. Kind of weird. But I think it's awesome that you're like, hey, my boyfriend wants me to squeeze his face with my thighs. How should I do that? That's great that you're willing to go there, that you're willing to try. Ask him, does he want you to squeeze his thighs while you're wearing jeans, while you're wearing leggings, while you're not wearing any pants at all, while you're wearing a skirt? Maybe you should try them all. Bring some outfits. Say. What should I put on before I squeeze your face with my thighs? If you're going to squeeze his face with your thighs, make sure that he's got a way to breathe. And if he doesn't have a way to breathe while you're squeezing his face, make sure you guys talk about how to tap out of that, like uh, in wrestling and stuff. Make sure you're doing it safe. Make sure he doesn't die between your thighs because you're squeezing so hard and you didn't plan ahead a little bit. I mean, that might be how to get out of that. That might be how he wants to go out also it's a great way to go out but maybe he wants to experience thighs a little longer than that make sure you talk about that before you smother him to death please (laughs) that's great advice yeah i like the idea of like dressing a certain way totally can you imagine like oh man all the different feelings on your face Ooh, thigh high socks yeah dudes love that also they sure do especially because like it's yeah, everything's covered, but then it, like it it leads to the prize, which is the thigh. Right. So, um, thigh high socks, maybe Ooh, a- maybe some cable knit thigh highs and 
like fall time. Yeah. And then like a skirt that you can like lift up and like slowly like slide up your legs or something. Yeah. Go to a movie. Let him touch your thigh. Knowing he's going to get his face smothered by thighs. Or, okay. Okay. You're sitting next to each other. He has his hands on your thighs. You have him put his hand between your legs and you slightly squeeze to like tease him for later. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, man, write, write us back. Tell us how yes. this goes because that sounds I, super fun. I, that sounds amazing. Enjoy. Have fun. Maybe I have a thigh fetish now. <laughs> I hope you start an internet site with your asexual boyfriend. This sounds perfect. Sounds amazing. Good job. Hey, Nassim. My little sister just got into puberty and is starting to explore. I want to help her as much as I can, so I want to give her some good advice about sex. What would be the best sex advice you have? Oh, man. That's tough. Because there's a lot of advice I could give a young person. But the most important or the best piece of advice isn't really about sex at all. Well, what are we doing on this podcast? (laughs) Come on, Nassim. I would say to know yourself a little bit. My best piece of advice is to masturbate. That's pretty good advice. Um, Because no one is going to know your body better than you. And anybody who thinks or is going to try to convince you that they know your body better than you is not someone you should be having sex with. And it's important to have agency over your body, especially at a young age, especially when everyone's like a horny teenager and just wants to get it done. That can come with some consequence. So it's important to be knowledgeable and have agency over yourself before you get involved with anybody else who's going to try to convince you, make you think things that aren't necessarily true. I like that. I like that. Now I've got a young daughter. So this is actually a question I've thought a lot about. I got a few years before she gets into exploring territory, but so I got some time to smooth out my thoughts, but I'll start sharing them here. And you can bounce them off of me and I can tell you if it's garbage or not. Yeah. (laughs) So my advice is stay in your room and don't have sex. <laughs> okay, dad. <laughs> no, I, I hope that as a big sister, you provide her a good person to come to and answer her questions if she has questions in a, a, a non-judgmental way. And I hope that you can provide her with a person to call if she needs help or gets in deeper than she wants to be in at the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really important to have a trusted person to talk to, especially within a family. Like I didn't have the sex talk. I had no one I could go to in my family if something happened. And that can be a really scary feeling for someone. Totally. And so it's great that you are willing and able to guide her through this part of her life because it will be a big part of her life relationships sex it's all it's all there and it's good to have a person that she can trust to bounce ideas and situation off of so kudos to you big sister yeah you're a great big sister and if she's starting to explore talk to her about birth control take her to Planned Parenthood or your regular doctor if that's more appropriate at the time and If she wants birth control, get her to a place where she can learn about her options and get her on birth control, not because she wants to have sex today, but because she's starting to explore. And you just never know. Make sure that she's in a good spot to say yes to sex whenever she's ready 
uh, and she doesn't have to worry about contraceptive in the heat of the moment, too, because I think that's where a lot of young folks having their first sexes end up blowing it. Yep. Very excellent point. Yeah, so you're a good big sister. Keep it up. Or brother. I don't know if this was a coming from a guy or a guy. Uh, you know what? Or anywhere in between. It's a wide spectrum. Very true. Sex is just a construct. Also true. Hey, Nassim, do sex dreams mean anything? I have some weird sex dreams with people I would never fuck in real life, also in weird places, and it's also no fantasy of me doing those things. I still get them. I also had a dream where I got raped from a complete stranger. I didn't like that, and it was kind of a nightmare, but did that mean anything? God, I hope not, because (laughs) I have had some very fucked up sex dreams uh Mm -hmm. like with people that only would i never want to have sex with but people i should never want to have sex with so uh definitely i don't buy anything when it comes to sex dreams i think it's just our body's way of releasing uh stress and processing hormones and synapses are just firing um some people really buy into dream work and dream interpretation my mother is one of those people i have friends who are very invested in dream interpretation let's get your mom on i would love to talk to her about some real fucked up dreams i've had oh god no um (laughs) (laughs) i'll I'll give you her number you can talk about things later no no we're getting her on the show dreams i don't necessarily think they mean much i think that would disappoint a lot of my friends by me saying that but um because i think that they're just a representation of just like your brain processing stuff but i don't think it means anything specifically Some people will say, oh, if you have dreams about your teeth falling out, it means that you have a lot of anxiety and loss of control in your life. Do I believe that? Not really, because I have dreams of my teeth falling out under any kinds of feelings in my day-to-day life. Yeah, what if I'm feeling lots of anxiety and like I'm losing control of my life, but I don't have a dream about my teeth falling out? Does that mean I'm really not anxious? Exactly. Exactly. I I don't think they mean anything. So. Or at least they don't I mean, mean much. Other- they mean whatever you want them to mean. Like, sure. If you want to get something out of it, go ahead. Get something Here's out of it. Here's an example. This is just a this is a G-rated dream, okay? So when my dad that, That's not why I listen to this show, <laughs> but go ahead. So when my you know, my dad passed away. Uh-huh. Um and my mom was in mourning. You know, she still is, but when I say she was in mourning, I mean mourning with a capital M. Like she wore black every day. She didn't yeah. do anything fun. She really held on to some old fashioned ideas of like what a good widow does after her husband mm-hmm. dies. And then one day she had a dream about my dad that he gave her a pink polka dotted dress. And my mom interpreted that to mean it was time to move on and that she could start wearing colors again. And I think that's very sweet. Do I think my dad was really visiting her in her dream and telling her it's okay to stop mourning? No. But if that's what she needed, good on her. It's fine. Yeah. And if it was your dad visiting her in her dreams and bringing her a super hot pink dress with polka dots, I think that's pretty cool. (laughs) 
<laughs> my mother has never worn pink polka dots in her life. <laughs> so. Did she after that? I don't think so. Well, then I don't think she got the point of the dream. <laughs> but you're certainly not the sum of your thoughts. You're the sum of your actions. And I think that dreams fall into that same thing. Exactly. We all think weird thoughts. Just do the things that you want to do that fit the values of your life. Let's end it there. That is a, that, I, I don't know that we can end it any better than uh, talking about your mom's beautiful pink polka dot dress. Okay. At the end of my sex podcast. <laughs> well, you know your mom never listens all the way to the end anyway. All right. Thanks for joining me today. You got it. I'm happy to be here as always. I've certainly enjoyed myself this season. Me as well, Dan. Uh, I don't know how to end this. Uh, I guess I'll I'll talk to you later. Nassine wants all her terrible listeners to know that although she is a medical professional, she is not your medical professional. This podcast is not medical advice. If you want medical advice, please seek out your very own healthcare provider. Terrible Sex with Nassine is part of the Terrible Podcast Network.